Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is your host, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. How's it going, Dakota? What up, man? Good to be back on the show and ready to go for another episode. Yeah, took a, took a little bit of time off. Uh, you know, as things always get busy, but this time it was actual time off. Uh, I went back to Arizona to visit family. Yep. And uh, I did get to see Caleb, who's been on the podcast before, uh, hang out with him. And uh, shout out to him and his wife. Uh, they're having a baby girl in the next couple months. So that's really Congratulations, awesome. Congratulations, Caleb. Um, and uh, Caleb is freaking out just a little bit. So if you're listening, Caleb, I know you're scared just a little, but Dakota <laughs> has girls and uh, and and Andrew has girl as a girl. So you'll yeah, be fine. Don't worry, Caleb. It's just as difficult as everybody says. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of, it was just good to see family. I think that was the main thing. Um, Arizona itself as a state, it was definitely very busy, <laughs> lots of people, uh-huh. but seeing family is always good and refreshing. And, uh, and then seeing some youth graduate, Yeah, uh, seeing people from the church I was at before having good conversation and just, you know, seeing people live life and it's good. Um, you know, so that was that was a lot of fun. So I, I I was excited to go, but I'm also excited to be back. Yeah, and uh, back at back at church, back at work, all those things, and back in the groove. You had a busy Sunday this last week too. I think you oh, yeah. led family time, you led communion, you taught the new members class, and uh, we had what about Pre- presented the graduates. Presented the graduates. Yep, Kyle was doing work this past Sunday. It was pretty cool. Um, there was a lot going on. I think we had. 11 or 12 people in our new members class. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty incredible that God keeps growing the church, and that's been fun to watch. Christians desiring the Word of God and the days that we live in, I think it's evident. Yeah, and it's exciting because I think being a pastor um, for a little while now, not just a, you know, a new pastor per se, right? been doing ministry for a little bit. Um, the discussion a lot of times at churches is, how do we get people here? Right. Uh, how do we get people in the doors? Um, and that's usually the wrong question to ask. It is. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it should be. Cause you should already know. Right. You should, yeah, you should already know for one, but I think, uh, here at Ottawa Bible Church, we have an outward focus, mm-hmm. uh, in the way that we teach, um, the people who come here. Uh, and so we have, uh, you know, just our, our normal motto, live sent, uh, to go out and share the gospel, but really it's just teaching the true word of God. Yeah. And honestly, that's the feedback from new members. We come here because you guys teach the Bible. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts. You're not skipping verses or chapters because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You hit the hard stuff, even though it is really hard to get up there and say sometimes. Yeah. But it's the truth and you can't ignore it. And so I think there's those things are important. There's no gimmicks, right? We're not, you know, doing a bunch of stuff to get people here. It's teaching the word of God and that spreads and people are looking for it. And it really is interesting because if you think about it, we, it's not like we're shying away from the tough issues. You know, just this last Sunday, we finished up the series, Did God Really Say? Really, it was a basic study in the early chapters of Genesis, and we addressed um, atheism and evolution, secularism. We addressed what it means to be human, what it means to be a family, uh, the sexual revolution, transgenderism, Marxism, postmodernism. <laughs> Uh, all the isms and just comparing it to the things that God said all along. Satan wants to attack the word of God, assault his word and his character above all else. And, you know, I I think 
a, a pastor friend of mine, John Benzinger, uh, over at Redeemer Bible, said he was reading Martin Luther the other day, and Martin Luther uh, was quoted to have said, you know, you know that a nation is under judgment when it's hard to find the preaching of the Word of God. And what ends up happening is the Word of God almost becomes like gold in your hand, and people will find you to to get it. It's just been interesting because I think that rings true, and we don't have a lot of churches, unfortunately, that are faithful to the Word. That's not to knock them, but they're they're not preaching the Bible. Right. Yeah, it, it's definitely true out there. Unfortunately, I wish, you know, churches were a little bit more careful, um, you know, had the right uh, people around, uh, right. leaders around to hold everyone accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to a point where a pastor is leading the church by himself, mm-hmm. I think you start to run into issues. Yeah. There's no accountability. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying anything to him. You could say something super crazy from the pulpit, and there's most likely not going to say anything mm-hmm. because that's the guy running the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that must be, you know, some people may think, oh, that's what God gave him to say. Not if it doesn't line up with scripture. That's right. Um, so We're if, all accountable to the word. Right. So if some pastor says, I prayed about this, and this is what God led me to say, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not true. Um, right. It, that's not coming from the Holy Spirit. Kyle, what do you think is the uh, the biggest things hitting the church today? I mean, this is kind of an off-the-cuff question. I'm kind of throwing it your way, but <laughs> what are some... Some things that you see in the Church of America today that are some of the biggest things that she's wrestling with. I mean, if we stay on the topic we're kind of staying on, which is the Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, I think people are struggling, which I find hard uh, to believe that that churches don't have leaders truly teaching the Word of God. I think that's one major issue, right? Because if you're not teaching the Word of God, you're going to miss all the issues that are happening, right? Uh, and you're not going to be able to lead your church through those issues. You're actually going to grasp onto some of those lies and then weave that into your church, which we're seeing that, right? We just went through our series, and this last you know sermon was on, you know, talked about Marxism within the sermon, mm-hmm. within the context of going through the book of Genesis and, mm-hmm. you know, establishing a society based on disobedience and sin. Right, Cain's uh, line. Right. And so, you know, that's those things are happening today, right now. Um, churches are taking these ideas within our culture and weaving them in. Um, they're struggling with some ideas that are being thrown out there. I mean, the LGBTQ community, right? We need to love them. Sure, we need to love them, but it doesn't make what they're doing okay, and it doesn't mean that we should promote what they believe right. and what they think of themselves. Right. Um, you know. But people, for some reason in the church, think, well, that's not equality, and that's not this, and they don't really think through the things they're saying, um, which comes back to teaching the Word of God. Uh, and that's really what it all boils down to, is we need to teach the truth, because those things get worked out in the Bible, mm-hmm. and we understand what we believe, and we understand what we're standing on, mm-hmm. and of course God loves all people, because He died for all people, but it doesn't make it okay to accept the sin and integrate that into the church and say, these are okay things to do now, right. because we've progressed as a society. Those are lies, and we can't allow those lies to come into the church. Yeah, I think the greatest assault uh, on the church today is the issue of Scripture. Right now I'm in a class on bibliology. It's called uh, Bibliology and Theology Proper, and it's just a really good primer course for me to readdress some issues. And, you know, the Bible has been under attack for a long time. Mm. And if you reject the inerrancy of Scripture, unfortunately, I just met with a pastor today who does not believe that the Bible is inerrant. 
He, yeah. do, he doesn't believe that the Bible um, is uh, without error. He believes that it has errors in it. And un- unfortunately, um, he uh, teaches these things and influences people. And I, I think he's a really nice guy to talk to, but uh, that's his position. Mm-hmm. And what's heartbreaking about that is if you reject the inerrancy of Scripture, I don't see how Scripture can be infallible and inspired. So if God can't get it right <laughs> to deliver us his mm-hmm. word, what does that say about God's character? It says that God is not truthful, he's not holy, he's not perfect, and he can't deliver his holy word to you without there being problems in it. So, of course, we get back to the number one issue. The serpent said all along, did God really say? And if the serpent can attack God's word and assault God's character— then the church will become just like the world, which has been the problem from the beginning. And you start accepting things like from the LGBTQ agenda and the different uh, Marxist models. And I mean, I could just go down the list of all the things that said our world, but bringing the Bible into question really means bringing God into question. And a lot of churches, I think, have ceased to be Holy Spirit-led churches because they have rejected the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. Yeah. And that's that's difficult to see. Yeah, and I mean, you see the real attack uh, from Satan uh, in our mm-hmm. current culture mm-hmm. and the things that are going on and the things people are saying and doing. Um, man, people, it's just, it's getting more twisted and twisted. I, I really have to sit there, and when I listen to people say things that line up with uh, communism or socialism or or these ideas of, of these other countries that have tried this uh, and failed so many times. Every time. Uh <laughs> You know, I don't understand what what they're doing. Either they have a total lack of knowledge, right? And they've never read of anything in history, right? They didn't go to school or something. Like right. you don't have to be a genius to know that this doesn't work, right? Um, and then think that creating everybody to be equal, and and it's equal outcome, equal outcome. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's even more interesting because some people are saying it who wouldn't even be those people at the top. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're so fooled. Yeah. That you're going to be a part of the people that don't have anything. Right. You're not going to be the one percent or less yep. at the top reaping the benefits of everybody's equal outcomes right. and equally poor. You're going to be a part of the equally poor, right. and you want that, mm-hmm. and you, because it's now equal and that's better. Right. Uh, I don't know where those ideas those ideas come from and where they're getting how they're getting there. Mm-hmm. It just sometimes you just want to sit down one on one and be like, let's work through this together, yeah. and please explain to me how it's better than. Right. What we currently have. You're either overly optimistic right, <laughs> or naive, or you're a part of the crowd who wants the 1% of power. Right. It's really heartbreaking. So, yeah. So, I think those, all of that, um, you know, we <laughs> Satan's smart, right? Mm-hmm. He's not dumb. Uh, and he's attacking at a level that maybe we didn't see for a long time. Maybe we were a little blind as the church in America. Yeah. Uh, we weren't really paying attention to the evils that were happening uh, within our government and within society, and now we're starting. It's starting to come out, and it's starting to be prevalent. And it's almost—it's not—it's not even hiding itself anymore. No, it's just right in your face. Yeah, it, it used to be like, oh, I'll stay away from the term Marxism, although I'm a, Mar- a Marxist. Now it's just nobody blushes over it anymore. I think what's difficult too. And we'll start here in, in the book of Mark here in a moment. But what's difficult is the church in America, I think for a long time, has really lacked in 
showing true mercy to people in our world, you know, like loving uh, homeless people and, and serving. I do think America's lacked in that. So I guess you could say in order to adopt the views of the world, the church has now been taken captive by the social justice gospel. So maybe out of feeling bad over the fact that we could be better servants, now we've gone completely on the other side. So the ideas of Marxism impact the church. And you start to say, oh, everybody should have equal things. Well, wait a minute. Jesus never thought that your, or he never taught that your property should be stolen from you um, because somebody else in society doesn't have anything. And we know that Thessalonians says, if a man's not going to work, he won't eat, right? He's worse than an unbeliever if he won't take care of his family. Like there's <laughs> biblical principles yeah. of good, hard work ethic and, and principles that you'd never find in the Bible. Generosity, willing love and giving and mercy, yes, but Marxism advocates for a complete theft of your personal and private property, which Deuteronomy tells us, you know, when you enter into the land of Canaan, you are not to steal mm -hmm. because every uh, person in this society is entitled to what is actually theirs. So the church is buying into these things. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of discernment in our world. And that's, um, that's really upsetting. Yeah. And I think I, one thing that, that I connect with when we, when we talk about, you know, accepting responsibility, hard work ethic. Yeah. I think a, a Christian who's out there today, who's in the public eye in America, uh, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, Financial Peace University, he's written tons of books. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily, I, I listen to Dave Ramsey all the time, his podcasts, and, and uh, I follow the baby steps because I think the baby steps create this outline of responsibility. Yeah, and success. And success, right? You get out of debt, you work hard, mm -hmm. and then you grow wealth from that, from getting out of debt, because now you can use your money to grow your money. Right. Uh, so this idea of making good decisions right. with what you've been given. Right. Now, if everybody made better decisions with what they were given, the outcomes would right. be greater than what they started with. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's an easy concept to talk about. Right. I would say, is it hard? Yes, because in America, we've been kind of trained to do things differently. <laughs> uh, you know, accept debt, you know, have it. It's okay to have it. It's okay to have credit cards. It's okay to have these things. But right. there's this responsibility piece. I think that is just key uh, as a Christian um, that I think we could influence America on. I think Dave Ramsey's doing that and yeah. his platform to do that. And it's a biblical uh, thing that he's doing. And he's really trying to change lives. He's yeah. trying to help families. And I think that is a better way of going about fixing things right. than just saying, well, let's take away everybody and make it make it equally poor. Now we don't have that problem anymore. You know, I, a senator, I saw, I think it's Elizabeth Warren, which she ran for president, but she said, all Biden has to do is sign a piece of paper that, you know, says uh, all the student loans are forgiven. Right. That takes away the accountability. Yeah. And the decision that was made of all the people are there people who need help in that area? Yes, but it isn't to give. It isn't to forgive them. Right. That doesn't help anybody. Right. Uh, and so, well, somebody's got to pay for that. Yeah. And right now, that's the American people yeah. <laughs> are paying on that. Yeah. So, uh, after I pay off my student loans, I'll be paying other people's student loans. Yeah. Which is 
Yeah. Right. That doesn't seem right. right. Um, when I took the responsibility. Or wrong. <laughs> right, yeah, it's wrong. Uh, and I took the response. So I think as a Christian, and I and I don't and I want to get this right, as Christians, we have that responsibility mm-hmm. uh, to hold somebody who's not a Christian to that. Um, I don't say that we can, but we can definitely speak truth to them uh, and what is right and what is truth. And so uh, as Christians, we should we should take responsibility of the things that we've been given and and be praising God for it because it's really the Lord's. So in a roundabout way, you know, we didn't plan on having this no, big, we didn't. <laughs> long but, dialogue. But we but, got into it. You know, it's this is natural. These are the things that you and I really talk about. Yeah. And I was just thinking of the verse uh, in Proverbs where it says, you know, a man is a slave to his debtor. Uh, if you willingly take on debt because of the choices that you have made, then you are enslaved to that person. Mm-hmm. And it's important to look at our world through a biblical framework where we don't this is kind of the point. The problem with the church in America is she has no maturity and no discernment. And maybe just wrapping a bow on this, you know, for the longest time, you know, we were talking a little bit ago about why people are coming to church because of the word of God. You know, there's been too many churches in America where they preach at such a baby level. They never feed the meat. They only feed the milk. Uh, everything is, you know, preached at a seventh grade level. And I think the problem with that is over time, your Christians never grow and they never grow in discernment. They don't have their minds renewed. They can't prove the uh, the good and acceptable difference of God's goodwill versus the, the will or the way of the world. And if you perpetually have an immature, infantized, uh, baby-like church, they will fall susceptible to every form of worldly philosophy and deceit, as Colossians says. And, you know, there's a pastor, uh, Rick Warren, Mm-hmm. You know, um, unfortunately, and I have less to say about him, more to say about maybe just the characteristics of like the Rick Warren movement. But it seems to me like the teachings over the years have been really light. And there's been this assumption that church people are dumb and you have to always teach down to their level. But over time, I'm starting to notice that people want to be intrigued. They want to be challenged. And if they don't fully understand everything they say, that you say, they're going to come back and ask more questions, and that's oh, how yeah. you, you get a Christian to grow. Yeah, you have to. I mean, that brings us back to discipleship, why we're doing one-to-one Bible reading in the book of Mark. Yeah. If you're discipling someone and they're not asking questions, right? Uh, then you need to figure out what they need to learn, because yes. obviously they know what you're teaching them. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I would say, you know, uh, Dakota, he preaches every Sunday, and he's got great things to say, and he uses words probably nobody uses. But I think that challenges people to go, what did he really say? And I think I have a question to ask. Mm-hmm. And if you've if you've gone to church for years and you've never asked a pastor or an elder a question about the sermon and you weren't challenged, right. you may want to start thinking about why yeah. you're going to that church. Right. <laughs> because they're not challenging you. Right. Uh, if you go to a Bible study and you don't ask questions and it's just kind of you just hang out and you talk about the same thing. May want to find a different Bible study, or if you're you're bored with the Bible, you're probably just not going deep enough. Because my right. goodness, there's just too much there to ever get bored with Scripture. No, I I agree so much. You know, I I think of every day, man. I just wish I could spend more time in Scripture. Yeah, <laughs> I have to go to work, I have to do these things, but yeah. I wish I could spend more time because I want to know more. Right. Um, and that's you know that's my heart, and I love doing this podcast because we get to spend time in Scripture yeah. uh, together and have these conversations. So. Yeah, I think so important, ask questions, and that's why we have this podcast, and that's why we're going to continue the Book of Mark. And just to say this, too, I heard the other day a friend of ours from church made note of the fact that, you know, there's a church, 
that is currently doing a series called The Gospel According to Harry Potter. <laughs> and the whole the whole point <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. It's, I mean I'm laughing because it's Harry Potter, but And I, I, I have I can't not, believe they're doing that. I haven't listened to any of the messages, so I can only judge or discern so far. But at the end of the day, if you have to resort to that type of gimmick, that says that people are bored with the Bible to begin with or bored with your preaching or your preparation or a number of things, and they're probably starving for good, healthy teaching. So, I, I mean, this is this is really a challenge to Christians in America, if you're listening. Man, encourage your pastor to preach the Bible. People are not dumb. They want to be challenged. They want to grow in the Word of God. If you're preaching the Word of God mm-hmm. and you're putting forth the the hours in your office and you're working through the text and you're preparing uh, in your time with the Lord to say something in that pulpit on Sundays, then God, the Holy Spirit is going to bless your church. And, you know, right now we've just got a number of churches in America that are so bored with Jesus that they've got to turn to, to Harry Potter. And it, that's just sad, you know? So <laughs> let's yeah. stand on the Bible. Let's oh, stop man. doing all this other stuff. Yeah. And I'm about to preach right now, bro. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just thinking about our next series uh, here at Ottawa Bible Church. We're going to be in the book of Titus. Uh, and we are kind of going through the, we've been going, we went through the outline a couple times already, uh, just kind of talking about what yep. it's going to look like. It's only three chapters. Yeah, 46 verses total. Right. And we're starting uh, here in June. And we're going to go all the way through September. Yeah, four months. Uh, four months on three chapters. And not to say, ooh, look at us, we're going to take forever. There's a lot to unpack. There is. In every single book. There is. I mean, these letters, especially that Paul writes, How? what's the surrounding circumstance? Who's he writing to? What are the people going through? I mean, there's so many questions to ask right. uh, to really understand the text. Uh, and not from a devotional standpoint, really understanding the text yeah. uh, and studying it. And then, so I just, there's so much there. There You'll never run out of of Sunday. You're not, you're never going to get to the end of your Christian life and, and learn it all. You're not. Right. I mean, you could read the Bible over and over and over again, yep. but I don't think you're ever going to get there. We're, for one, we're not going to have all the knowledge that God has, and we're not going to know all the things, um, you know, in this life. And so... It, there, you should never be bored with the scripture at all, ever. I had lunch a couple of years back with C.L. Mitchell. It was the first time I'd talked to him or seen him in a while. And I met him at a, a Coco's restaurant in Phoenix. Forget where, it's just somewhere in Phoenix. That's old school. It is, yeah. And <laughs> I didn't even know those were around. <laughs> yeah, they're may, they may still be around. But I sat down and just told him, you know, I wish I knew the word like you did. And he said, Dakota, the word of God is... Uh, comparable to the ocean. You will never be able to search every last depth of that ocean. But whether you're in the shallow end or you're moving forward, the point is to stay out of the shallow end and to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. So he encouraged me, you're never going to know every detail. You're never going to know it at all. But are you still tiptoeing in the water or are you devoting yourself to swim deeper? Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you got to start out in the kiddie pool, but over time, it's time to start swimming uh, because your spiritual growth is dependent on it. So with that being said, you know, we kind of have two parts here to the rest of Mark chapter six. And I'll just tell this for the listeners. uh, This episode is probably going to be a to to be continued with episode that's coming next week, the following week, uh, because we're going to jump in a little bit into John chapter six as well. Uh, but for now, Kyle, why don't we just work through the 5,000 being fed, mm-hmm. John 6, 
verses 33 to 44, and we'll see how far we get after that. Sure. I'm going to start in verse 30. Okay. Verse 30 of chapter 6, book of Mark. Here we go. Yep. All right. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus, and remember, uh, they were out two by two. Right. Right. This was uh, right because we had the had the little kind of story in between of John the Baptist's death. Yes. Uh, so they returned from being out, uh, sharing the gospel, sharing the message of repentance, returned to Jesus and told them that they had uh, what they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure uh, even to eat. Mm. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Yeah. Now many saw uh, them going and recognizing them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away uh, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And he said to them, uh, Shall we go and buy, and they said to him, And shall we go and buy 200 uh, denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves uh, were 5,000 men. Oh, wow. Well, the first thing we can focus on in verses 30 to 32, the apostles gathered together with Jesus, reported to him all they had done, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. Also, verse 32, they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Mm -hmm. Why is it important to get away by themselves? Why is it important? They just finished going out, doing ministry two by two. Why a secluded place? Why rest? Well, I mean, one, they just went out and traveled. I mean, yeah. day after day. So yeah. they did lots and lots of traveling, which meant for them lots and lots of walking. <laughs> yes. Um, and going to different towns. Um, second, they were teaching. Yeah. Uh, teaching is tiring. It is. Uh, it takes a lot of effort. And usually that effort comes from the Lord and not ourselves because we can't handle that much teaching. Uh, and going out. So they were really, really busy uh, out walking, teaching. Um, they were probably, you know, a little bit hungry. Um, and it says for, uh, you know, even in verse 31, they had no leisure even to eat. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were, they just needed rest. And we see Jesus, and we've already seen Jesus go and take time to rest uh, and really spend time in the Lord and get filled back up. Uh, I think that's key for every Christian. Um, pastors to take rest, uh, elders, any uh, lay person. If you're out sharing the gospel, uh, you know you need time to rest. You need time with the Lord. You need time in prayer. Yeah, uh, you can't just be hitting the streets twenty four seven. You know Jesus didn't even do that. Right, he took time to rest. So there's there's so much to learn within rest. Uh, they got to rest together. They got to rest with Jesus for one, <laughs> um, which was probably 
pretty fun. You know, I, I like to imagine them just kind of hanging out, um, being able to get some sleep, but also just spending time together as friends, right? Uh, encouraging one another, joking, laughing, uh, having a good time, uh, kind of filling each other all back up, yep. ready to go out and do more because more is about to happen. Yeah, and <clears throat> something that just kind of caught my eye, uh, what you see in verses 30 to 32 is this in intentionality to go and to rest, but something very real happens. And we know this, there's other scriptures that say they did go away to rest, but look at verse 33, the people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them, Mm -hmm. which I almost wondered, did they even get to rest? I mean, maybe on the boat they did, Yeah, but, uh, but, but imagine they're on the boat. Right. And these people see them on shore. Yep. And they're running on shore where the boat's going. There Jesus goes our quiet is in that time. boat. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they were probably not very happy. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean depending on you know <laughs> they were grumpy probably. I mean, we get grumpy. These guys are just they're just men. Yeah. They they're tired. They don't want to go and do more. Right. Uh they they, you know, they were just out doing all. I mean, imagine what happened while they were out. Mm-hmm. They were teaching. Uh, they were probably casting out demons. Yeah, they were probably doing all kinds of things. Well, I mean, verses seven through eleven tells us what they are not to take, and they're to wait for mm-hmm. God to provide for them. Oh yeah. Which that kind of brings me to a point. They're about to see God provide not for them, but now they're about to see God supernaturally provide for another or another group of people. Mm-hmm. So whereas their ministry, they had just finished being provided for and working for Jesus, now they're going to see Jesus himself working and providing for others. And I think there's still going to be a disconnect with them. Oh, yeah. You just experienced the provision of the Lord as you were sent out two by two, and you're not going to be able to comprehend it with what Jesus is doing here. So it's not just, you'll see here in a moment, it's not just the people who have a lack of comprehension of what's about to happen. I think it's the disciples too. Yeah. I mean, so you see, you know, they're on a boat. People are running. Uh, he said, it says when he went ashore. So Jesus, he yeah. saw verse 34, is verse 34, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them Yeah, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So Jesus sees them. He knows their hearts. He knows they're led astray. They're just wandering sheep. Right. <laughs> They've got no one teaching them, nobody directing them, nothing. Um, and <laughs> he he just he knows that just by looking at them mm-hmm. um, and knowing their hearts, and then goes and teaches what they needed to hear. Uh, and so, if you're a if you're one of the apostles <laughs> at this moment in time, you're probably rolling your eyes. You're probably a little upset. Uh, you're probably just want to go get some rest. You're probably like, we just did this for a really long time. (laughs) But Jesus has compassion. But Jesus has compassion Yeah, and sees them. And so he goes there and begins to teach. And so just thinking of, you know, these men who are following Jesus, they're going to get a little bit of a a reality check here in a second. Well, verse 34, he began to teach them many things. Yeah, not just one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... It's interesting to me how Jesus could tell they were sheep without a shepherd. Was that because of their physical need or was that because of their spiritual need? I think both. Mm -hmm. He addressed their spiritual need because he taught them. He was about to address their physical need. 
by what he's obviously going to do by feeding the 5,000. And then 35 yep. says, and when it grew late, so this big, it was going on for a while, right? Yep. His disciples came to him. This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Yeah, there's no grocery stores around here, Jesus. There's <laughs> yeah, no like, gas station. What are we doing? We can't go buy some Twinkies. We, there's no Circle K. No. We can't feed. Yeah, can't go to the bodega, <laughs> wherever you're from, whatever you call a convenience store. <laughs> it's not there. Yep. Uh, and so it's late, Jesus. We should probably go, right? They're probably... <laughs> I could just see them nudging, like, come on, let's go, or... We gotta get, you said, let's go to a desolate place and get some rest. Like Jesus, you're still preaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they act, then they say, send them away <laughs> into yeah. the countryside and villages to find something to eat themselves. Yeah. Um, so you could see a little bit of the selfish nature yeah. of them at this moment. <laughs> uh, like, can you shoo these people so we can go eat something in and s- they can go eat something? In some odd way, that's really comforting because I feel like a doofus at times as a disciple. Oh. Jesus is like, guys, you do realize what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, from Jesus's perspective, not that I'm Jesus, but I could, there's this, he knows he's only on earth so long. Like he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. He knows what, what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's teaching. Yeah. And he's taking advantage. I, I need to teach this to these people. Um, he has an urgency, unlike the 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 apostles do at this moment. Um, and I think that's key uh, when we see Jesus, just mm-hmm. the urgency of sharing the good news and teaching. Mm-hmm. I think we are we will see, and we know we'll see it in Scripture, that these men following Jesus will have that same urgency someday. Yes. Uh, they will. Uh, but they're yeah, later on in the New Testament, they'll get it right. But right now, they're not they're not grasping that yet, and so they the same they don't have that same urgency yet. They don't have that. I don't think that knowledge yet of of some sort. Well, and this is a natural conversation that could come out of your one to one Bible reading as you're discipling people through the Book of Mark. But this is a good principle to note that sometimes following Jesus means getting your plans interrupted. Sometimes following Jesus means staying up late. Sometimes following Jesus means uh, your consistent rhythm being broken means you doing ministry while you're tired. You doing ministry in places when you feel like, uh, you know, maybe you should be doing something else. It's really, it's Jesus who runs our schedule, you know, and yeah. that is so hard it is. in our world because we know the things we want to prioritize and we should prioritize, but yet there comes a time where you're called to serve regardless of other responsibilities. Life happens and sometimes... Um, you know, a, a wrench is, is thrown into your plans and God is going to ask you to be faithful even if it costs you your time and your comfort and all the above. Yeah, and that, and that's something that, that I really struggle with uh, because there's times where it's like, man, I just want to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've been here in uh, Kansas for eight months. I have not gone fishing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, there's just things that, of course, I would like to do. Right. They're, they sound fun. Um, you know, uh, luckily, you know, Dakota and I, uh, did get some tickets to the Cowboys game Dang, here in Kansas City. Dallas Cowboys, uh, Kansas November. City Chiefs, but that's November, November 21st. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so we prioritize that a little bit, but that's far out. We're but praying it's that there's going to be no interruption <laughs> for us to go to that, that game. There's nothing that's happening at church <laughs> or passing off responsibilities to the other elders and deacons <laughs> or going to that game. <laughs> yeah. So like there is, there's time for rest, but the reality is those moments don't come as often as they used to. Yeah. Uh, 
when Dakota and I were single. Yeah, we could do all kinds of fun we stuff whenever we Busters. wanted. We can watch. We'd watch every Cowboys game every week. Man. We would go to Diamondbacks games. We would do all kinds of fun stuff. We'd get bored and go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Right, and you wonder why at that time we didn't have the level of responsibility we have now. Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that that comes with ministry. It comes with studying the Word of God, and that may sound like, oh wow, studying the Word of God now sounds terrible, right? Yeah. <laughs> now you don't get to do anything fun. No, there are some amazing, rewarding things mm-hmm. that are beyond those things. Absolutely. Beyond it. And uh, <clears throat> they may not come as often, but they're more fulfilling because you see people, you see the lights come on, you see the Holy Spirit working through people, the things that they say, the things that they pick up on, the life-changing events, the people that we're working with. It just it goes beyond those fun things sometimes, right? Uh, which makes it all worthwhile because we're doing something that's eternal, that's that has eternal consequences, right? right. Uh, positive ones, hopefully, right? And so, I think that's really important. And and maybe yes, the disciples were they understood that, but at this moment they were grumbling a little bit, and we grumble a little bit too. Well, there's a paradox here. There's people that are hungry. But it's not just the 5,000, it's also the disciples themselves. They're, they're hungry. And Jesus is saying, no, you feed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, we don't know how we're going to serve people right now. What are you talking about? We're, this doesn't make sense. We need to go and do our thing. Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat, which is a really interesting change in the story. Jesus knows exactly what he's challenging them to do. And I think Jesus is about to reveal something about himself that... Uh, Mark is trying to portray, I think Mark is trying to portray that Jesus is the new and the better Moses. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses led the people through the wilderness and uh, God's people received manna from heaven. But, you know, look at what Jesus is about to do. He's about to literally bring them bread from heaven. Right. And we got to remember when they took off, when he gave them instructions, did Jesus give them a bunch of money to feed themselves when they were gone? No, he did not. Right? He didn't say, here's money, a bunch of money, feed yourselves. No, I'll take care of you along the way. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And did that? Did Jesus? Clearly. Absolutely. They're back. Right. right? They're taken care of. And then at this moment in time, they say, well, now, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Right. And it's kind of like, Jesus just took care of you. Yes. <laughs> Physical needs and spiritual needs through your journey that he just sent you on. Right. And you're almost making this comment like, what are you, is this ridiculous? Like, are we supposed to just go buy a bunch of stuff? How we don't have that kind of money. Yeah. It's, it's, you could see why rest is important <laughs> in this <laughs> You start moment. asking stupid things. <laughs> yeah. Stupid questions start coming out and uh, you say things you shouldn't. And so it's, I just, it's a, it's another scene that I find interesting, but I see why uh, they asked that question because I could, be, I am just as guilty of asking that same question. Yeah. Um, what do you want me to do? You know, throw my hands up. And so I've done it many times. So I, it, it may seem like a silly scene, but it's a real scene. And it connects to me mm-hmm. uh, as somebody who has thrown up their hands and went, all right, God, what? how am I supposed to do this? Yeah. Well, in times where it seems like there's no provision being made, Jesus is like, you've forgotten that I lack nothing. What I what I love about this scene, and let me just reread verses 38 to 44, and we'll close it out. Mm-hmm. Reading it again, Jesus said to them, verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Go, look. 
you could almost hear maybe like a bit of frustration. <laughs> a little short. <laughs> <laughs> and when they found out, they said five and two fish. I'm I'm imposing my interpretation here onto the text. Maybe you could hear some frustration in his disciples. Yeah. Um, look, we five and two fish. <laughs> They're trying to that doesn't even feed us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Verse 39, he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. At this point, I'm thinking, gosh, the disciples have to know, okay, he's about to wow us. He's about to blow our minds. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. So two things, you're seeing Jesus as portrayed as this better Moses, as I mentioned a moment ago. But two, you think back to Genesis chapter one, where God created things out of nothing, the principle of ex nihilo. Humanity, we can create things with other substances and other materials, but humanity cannot, has never been able to, will never be able to create anything out of nothing. And to me, this is really confirming of, this is a big roundabout circle, really confirming too of a literal six-day creation account. Mm -hmm. Because if Jesus here can just multiply bread, right, out of out of nothing. Right, and there's no oven. There's no oven. Right? There's no nothing. utensils. You can't make it, right? <laughs> right. Like, you can't, like, keep multiplying this bread. This is op obviously something supernatural. Right. Then that shows he is also the creator. This is a picture into the deity of Christ. So, something new and like Moses is here, but this individual is also God who creates out of nothing by just speaking it into existence. He, he blesses the bread. He seeks the Father from heaven. And, and you see now this incredible picture of the Son of God who all things, according to Colossians, were made for him and were made through him. You see that exact thing taking place in this passage. Pretty incredible. Yeah, and Jesus had another option here, right? He could have sent them all away. Right. That was the other option. Right. But for there was a reason he didn't want them to be sent away. Right. Um, and we saw a physical need met in the masses. Yes. 5,000 people's need being met yeah. in that moment. So they could stay there and be there. Mm -hmm. So Jesus could continue to be with them. Right. Um, and that was... I just see that as as a pivotal piece of this too. It's not just about the food, but it's the fact that Jesus didn't want these people to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. He wanted them to stay there. Absolutely. He wanted to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really important to him. And showing the disciples, sometimes you got to do things you don't want to do. Yep. Some things you're tired, you got to keep going. You have the audience right now. Mm -hmm. Why would we send them all away mm -hmm. when we could be with them now in this moment? First Timothy chapter three, this is only on my mind. Well, I think it's of the Lord, but um, first Timothy chapter three talks about the work of an elder. If any man, I think the text says, if any man aspires um, to do the work of an overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. You know, you need a fine man, a godly man to do a fine work, a godly work. It's almost like if you choose to get into the, to the ministry, 
at this level of shepherding and pastoring. Of course, Jesus is going to request greater sacrifices from you because the rewards are greater and he's only entrusting a few to do that level of hardworking ministry. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely a difference between an overseer, an elder, uh, a pastor, an elder. Absolutely a difference. Mm -hmm. And sometimes God calls you to, to shepherd people when you don't know where the resources are going to come from. But more, more than anything else, to shepherd people by trusting in him. I think Jesus is trying to prove something here. Yeah. So if you are meeting with somebody one-on-one and you're going through the book of Mark, uh, I just want to encourage you to um, keep going. Uh, Don't give up. Uh, Even if the questions get hard with the person that you're uh, discipling. Uh, Hopefully it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word as we've talked about tonight and and continue to be challenged as a discipler uh, at the same time. So uh, I just want to thank everybody for really listening to this podcast. Uh, the way that you can support us is pray for us, uh, for uh, the ministry that God has uh, given us at Ottawa Bible Church and this podcast, and just share it with others. Uh, we want people to hear the Word of God. We're going, um, you know, just share, hey, these guys are going through the Book of Mark. Check it out. Uh, study along with us. You know, we are going kind of slow. We only do an episode a week. Sometimes we skip weeks, but that's okay. Gives you time to catch up on old episodes. Yeah. Uh, So go back and listen, but please just share and pray. Uh, Thank you so much, and God bless.